Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime that you know and love is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how much you want to bet I could throw a football over them mountains? <laughs> I would bet a fair amount that you can do that. Have you seen the uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing the football out of Arrowhead Stadium? Yeah, I also saw Odell Beckham launch a football completely into the field. Yeah. You see that? No, I didn't see that one. There's also an old clip, I guess, going around of Drew Locke throwing one out of the the Missouri Yeah, I saw saw that. Yeah, that was was pretty dope. But, hey, man, when it's been – the last time your team won a Super Bowl was sometime in the 60s during the – Kennedy or was it Johnson? I don't know. One of those administrations. I mean, you got to make hay and hang your hat on what you can. That's right. That's right. You got to do what you can do. Today, we have a few things we want to get to. I mean, we'll, we'll be honest with you. There's nothing new to break down. I think we've basically mined all there really is to mine in terms of preview and training camp. However, we still had a lot of questions left over from last week's mailbag that we want to dive into here today and get to everybody, especially those listeners on YouTube. So obviously still a lot on your mind, some things that, that Zach and I can help uh, answer for you. We'll We'll tackle that today, but first, just make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, because that's how you stay plugged in. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on iTunes, we appreciate it. You leave a creative review, five-star rating if you like what you hear, and always on YouTube, you guys just keep doing what you're doing, liking, commenting, subscribing. It's uh, making a big difference. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. It's for us. All right, Zach, let's uh, crank out a mailbag. We might as well. There's still so many questions left over that we just didn't have time to get to last week. And we love doing this because we are your football priests. And each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And sometimes it might come twice a week. What the heck? Let's do it. We got one here uh, that comes from, let me grab this here, from Justin Fogel. Here's what he says. Hey, guys, I don't really have a question. I have been listening to MHH podcasts for over two years now. I love the content you all put out. Although I don't always agree with you, you helped me get through the horrible offseason, especially with orange and blue 760 going down the tubes. I just want to know if you feel lucky to be doing what you're doing because you should. You will have my support. Go Broncos. Zach, before I serve this over to you, that was kind of a bummer to see orange and blue 760 uh, close up shop last week. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, and the, the, the sudden impact that it left and people were scrambling and figuring out why this talent was departing and this and that that's the unfortunate aspect of this business and it was definitely sad do you feel lucky to be able to talk about the broncos we've talked about this before and foot cover football what are your thoughts for justin I mean, Chad, when you boil it down, we're getting paid, you know, real actual money to watch and talk about football. I mean, a game. It could be a lot worse. And I'm doing what I love. You're doing what you love. And this is and when you're doing what you love, it's not work. You know, the old cliche. And I feel it's true. I I feel blessed to have this job. I feel blessed to be in this industry and be in this position. I know you do as well, Chad. I mean, it's just uh, it's an honor to be doing what we do. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's totally true that it doesn't feel like work. And that's how I even got into this business, how I built the, the website and the, what became Mile High Huddle and all that was just because I was like our listeners. I was a very passionate, outgoing fan of football and especially the Denver Broncos, but I love football. And I was, you know, opinionated and I'm a creative person. And so I wanted to put my thoughts and my opinions out on the world and see what came back. And one thing led to another. And, and it is a tremendous blessing to be able to do this and, and make money. It doesn't feel like work. It really doesn't. And that's one of the things I have to do on my end. You know, mine and Zach's, our uh, home life's a little bit different. I'm married. I have four kids. So, some, you know, if it was just me all by myself, me and my dog or something, I'd, I could literally sit in my office and blog and podcast and make videos all day long without ever going, man, I'm tired or this sucks or I can't wait to get to do something else or go home or whatever it might be. I love doing it. So, For me, Zach, often the biggest challenge is just uh, balancing the time I spend blogging and and covering the Denver Broncos with other things. I also need to keep, obviously, very high priority, like taking care of the misses, my kids, and all that. 
Yeah, you know, everyone has personal responsibilities, but I, I'm just so appreciative of the following that I've, you know, built and, and we've built and the pod is built. And if I can make anyone's day better with the Broncos and if I can, uh, if anyone has read my articles or listened to my pod or our pod and enjoyed it, and I appreciate that. And that it makes an impact for me. So um, I, I do appreciate everyone who listens and all their support. And, and even this question, I mean, just be able to talk about why we're lucky makes me feel blessed. So uh, I couldn't be happier with this. Here's one more actual real question about football from Stephen Baumgartner. He says, big fan of the podcast. When do you think Drew Locke will start? Do you think that Locke will be the future of the franchise? Thanks. So we got a a double uh, barrel question there, Zach. When do you think Drew Locke will start? And do you think he'll be the future? Preseason or regular season? Let's say say regular season. uh, The only way we've said it so many times, Chad, the only way Drew Locke starts this year is if injury or really injury, even complete ineffectiveness by Joe Flacco. I I don't see uh, Drew Locke starting, even if he gets on the roster and he has to first leap out above Kevin Hogan. I don't see him starting this year at all, but that could all change in 2020, depending on how Flacco plays this year. If he's uninspiring, if they go seven and nine, eight and eight and Locke progresses along nicely enough, they'll open up a competition and maybe tilt it in his favor. And I can see him starting week one next year, but they have no intention of letting him start. They want to let him learn and develop and not rush his progress along. And they hope to get a franchise quarterback when it's all said and done. I look at it like this. If under Joe Flacco's leadership, the Broncos go eight and eight or worse, not only will there be, it be Drew Locke time in 2020, but the Broncos aren't even going to make a, a mockery out of a, an open competition because Joe Flacco is going to cost 24 million bucks or is it 20, 20 million bucks next year. So his, his cost goes up by a couple million if he's not your guy, you don't pay backups. You don't pay questionable guys who have to compete for the number one job, $20 million. Now, you know, we'll, I don't know exactly the layout of when those monies are due. It might be the type of scenario where if the Broncos, let's just say, go 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs again, they allow Flacco to come in and compete just to hedge to see how Locke looks in an open competition and then cut him like well in time for June 1st or whatever. But my bet would be if Flacco does not clearly – elevate this team as a 11-year veteran, they'll make pretty quick work at the end of the season, cutting ties and just moving on to completely investing into Drew Locke, let's get this thing going. But I really don't think that's going to happen. Zach, I think the Broncos are going to surprise some people this year. But to get even more specific to the question here from Steven, that second one, do you think that Locke will be the future of the franchise? I was, If you can remember, Steven, listening to this show, if you were listening before the draft, I, I think you were too, Zach. We are both advocating. We wouldn't have been disappointed one bit if the Broncos would have stood pat at pick 10 and taken Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you, yes, I think he has clearly the ability to be a franchise quarterback, but sometimes it takes the right circumstances, the right opportunities. There are some other mitigating factors, and it's just a question of when will Locke get his, his real opportunity and what will those – the state of the franchise look like when that comes around. And the thing about Flacco real quick, I can definitely see that Chad next year. If he doesn't blow anyone's socks off, the Broncos cutting him, but he's smart enough to know uh, where his future is headed. He's smart enough to know coming off back to back years, he wouldn't have much value anywhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be open to a pay cut and come in as a, a lesser paid uh, fringe starter who will be competing with the, uh, the second year rookie or excuse me, second year sophomore in drew Locke. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Locke beat him out in that sense, but he would have to show enough progress where they can go into a season with just him and potentially Brett Rippon behind him. That's a lot of an experience. At least Flacco has experience. 
whether Law can be the future. I mean, right now, still July 14th, we don't know anything. He hasn't taken one snap. He certainly has all the arm talent, all the physical talent. He has the, the leadership and the moxie that you like. It's all going to be his mental processing and his brain and how he learns and develops and, and catches up to the speed of the NFL. If the Broncos leave him alone and they develop him correctly and don't rush it along, he can certainly be that franchise quarterback. It just is all going to depend on how this coaching staff handles him. I, I'm optimistic that Scangarello could be the guy, but we will not know, Chad, I think, until 2020. I think that's pretty much where it stands right now. But I still remain adamant that, you know, there was some news that obviously came out of it when it was announced that Kevin Hogan was going to start the Hall of Fame game. Training camp obviously opens up on Thursday, and I think it's going to be a short matter of about two weeks before you see in real time Drew Locke leapfrog up the depth chart because he's just a supremely talented guy, and he, he's, he's a lot smarter than he's given credit in terms of his football IQ. And I don't think it's going to take that long. I mean, the cream always rises to the top. And if you have it between your ears as well as having that you know, unbelievable natural talent and a rocket for, for an arm, it's only a short matter of time. If you can think back to Paxton Lynch, he had half of that equation. He had the size. He had the measurables. He had the talent physically, but he lacked it between the ears. I don't think that's an issue with Locke, which is why I think you're going to see him quite quickly, Zach, make his play up the depth chart. And by the time the regular season rolls around, there's going to be no bones or questions about, you know, yeah, he's our backup. Just like last summer, I was saying the same thing about Chad Kelly. By the time the regular season rolled around, they cut Paxton Lynch because they liked the way Chad Kelly had played. They felt confident enough in him to say, look, we don't need the first rounder. We can live with him being our number two, but they still wanted a fail safe just in case, which is why they added Kevin Hogan after he was waived. So I think that's basically what's going to happen with Drew Locke is he's going to He's going to shine. He's going to have some flashy moments in training camp and the preseason. By the time the regular season rolls around, no one, including the Broncos, are really going to be worried about him being number two on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really disagree with is that I, I don't see him starting the Hall of Fame game. They went him on and throw him in there so quickly. I think they'll give Kevin Hogan that opportunity, and that's his prime audition to uh, come in and show that he should be the backup this year. If he doesn't blow anyone's skirt up in that game, um, I don't see him getting the number two spot. But I do agree that Drew Locke will start a preseason game, maybe the preseason finale, or um, you know, sometime sooner, and he will be the backup in the regular season. He'll be the number two guy. So you and I, Chad, are basically in agreement with Drew Locke's upside if the Broncos just handle it uh, correctly, quote-unquote. Right, and for what it's worth, I'm, may, I might not have been clear. I'm not saying that I think he's going to, between now and the, and the Hall of Fame game, become that number two and start it. I just think it's going to be a short matter of time before he does leapfrog Kevin Agreed. Hogan on the depth yeah. chart. So uh, let's move on here to DJ Johnson. He says, I remember Wesley Duke, Jeb Putzier, and of course Julius Thomas, but nobody was the deep threat receiver that Shannon Sharp was for us. With a 4-5 speed, does Noah Fant flash star skills at times in offseason work? Denver Broncos have struggled on offense since 2015 with our season on the line in 2016, scored three points in Kansas City that year. I have thought since then that it's our inside targets, our tight end and third receiver, that have been the issue. Philly won the Super Bowl in 2017 because Zachers was a special tight end and Aguilar emerged in the slot. What are the chances that Deshaun Hamilton and Noah Fant are those guys that can take our offense to that next level finally this year? It's been a long time since 2014, folks. Ha. Huh. 
I'll just say I don't. I I agree that the tight end and inside has been lackluster for the Broncos, Zach. But I think the biggest issue has been the quarterback position. But yep. to his point, though, or I should say to his question, what are the chances in your mind that Deshaun Hamilton and Noah Fant could be those guys to really help this offense elevate to the next level? I mean, they're going to help this year, and, and they can be those guys. But I, I I fully agree with you, Chad, and that's what I was thinking. It all comes down to the quarterback. Obviously, anyone playing with Peyton Manning is going to look better. I mean, literally anybody. And if you put a, a 2014 Peyton Manning on this offense, Deshaun Hamilton, Corlton Sutton, Sanders, fan, everyone else would look amazing. It's just the quarterback. But they all also tailored that this year. The Broncos did to Joe Flacco. They got him the inside receivers. They got him the tight ends. They got him a burner in there. Uh, so they're, they're working around their QB. If it all comes together, this offense has explosive tendencies. I just think it's still a year away. Everyone collectively, the coaching, the players. But Hamilton, his future is very bright. And, and Fan, I believe, in the future will be a pro bowler. It's just going to take a little time to come together. I mean, they might not even start this year, Chad. So they're going to have to work their way up. But when they do and all the ingredients come together, that's going to be a nice recipe. I mean, part of the problem, I mean, if you look back to 2018, for example, Case Keenum, he did not like throwing between the hashes. And when he did, anytime he threw a seam route, it felt like it was picked off. And yeah. so that kind of scared him, I guess. He's just not there yet as a quarterback to work through that kind of stuff. He just did not utilize the middle of the field. And so naturally the slot corners and the tight ends, they just didn't put up numbers. There was one exception to that when Jeff Hireman had his big day against the Texans. But that's part of the problem. And Trevor Simeon, to be frank with you, wasn't much better in terms of utilizing all levels of the field. So that's part of the problem, the quarterback issue. Quarterbacks are the guys, they're supposed to be the tide that raises all ships, and only time will tell whether or not Joe Flacco can be that guy for the Broncos. Now, we still have a few more we want to get to. First, got to take a quick break, though. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, this next one here comes from Tyler H. on YouTube. He says, of all the rookies we got this year, who are you most excited to see? Personally, I'm excited to see what Jawan Winfrey can bring. Hashtag Sco Buffs. Your answer. I'm kind of excited to see not you know not Drew Lock's progress in the preseason and training camp, yeah, but he's not going to see the, the the regular field too much, regular season field. I want to see how Dalton Reisner transitions from being a tackle to going to being inside and being a starting guard in the NFL. And the Broncos rebuild offensive line, all the questions there, and and we talk about Joe Flacco so much, but it all starts in the trenches and how that offensive line gels this year with Reisner being the one of the biggest question marks uh, is definitely something I want to see. I also also uh, want to see the, the defensive pieces they added. You know, Justin Hollins, where he plays, where he ends up, and also uh, Draymond Jones, if he's going to be another Demarcus Walker, hopefully not, or they're going to utilize him correctly and see what he can bring to the table. They're draft class, so they have so many instant impact players that are going to see the field this year, and there's so many they can keep up with. Noah Fan is obviously the the biggest one in the first round, but Chad, uh, all the secondary players and the Hollinses of the world, you know, those are the guys I want to see. Yeah, I mean, the guy I'm most excited to see in terms of immediate results, immediate impact, is Noah Fant. Because I think he's going to very quickly just transform the dynamic of this offense. And it's kind of hard saying that because on one hand, we don't even know what this offense, what kind of dynamism it's going to bring to the table, other than we know what Philip Lindsay can bring to the table. But Joe Flacco is new. Rich Scangarello has never called plays in the NFL. But still, all of that notwithstanding, I'm looking forward to seeing Noah Fant and just bringing that twitch, speed, athleticism, playmaking ability to an offense that, frankly, has been devoid of playmakers up until the very, very, very recent past. So that, that would be my answer for you there, Tyler. Now, 
Here's one from Juice on YouTube. He says, how about some chatter on Coach Modkins, Curtis Modkins, running backs coach. We all give so much well-deserved praise to Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman pre-high ankle sprain, but I don't think Coach Modkins gets enough credit for coaching that rookie duo to a pretty great 2018 season. Maybe it was just their natural abilities, but also considering Booker's production, I believe it's more likely that Coach Modkins adequately found, reported on, utilized, and improved upon each running back's strengths. And Juice, you're absolutely right. It was a combination of being, you know, inheriting a couple of, you know, a trio of really good running backs. I mean, Booker, obviously not, you know, he hasn't quite fulfilled his his expectations in the draft pedigree in which the Broncos spent on him, but he played out of his mind last year on the opportunities that he received. But Curtis Modkins, Zach, he's a, he's just clearly elevated that unit. I think he was a big reason why you saw Philip Lindsay fulfill his promise to John Elway when he signed as a college free agent that I'm going to be your starting running back this year. That's why. Curtis Modkins. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me just read a couple of quick clips from, from the, the media guide here on Curtis Modkins. It says here, and then I'm going to serve this over to you, Zach. Curtis Modkins, obviously in his second year as running backs coach for the Denver Broncos, a 24-year coaching veteran, Modkins has spent the last 11 years in the NFL as an offensive coordinator or a running backs coach. He has worked with four different 1,000-yard rushers with four different teams during that span, including Philip Lindsay. Jordan Howard in Chicago in 2017, Reggie Bush in Detroit 2013, and C.J. Spiller in Buffalo back in 2012. You know what? When the Broncos reshuffled their coaching staff before last season, the two hires that I was most unsure of uh, were Zach Azani and Curtis Modkins. I wasn't really uh, sold on them as kind of up-and-coming coaches, but you know what? They were two of the better coaches the Broncos had last year, and Fangio was very smart to keep them both on. They did inherit a ton of talent and combined the three, Booker, Freeman, and Lindsey. That's a very well-rounded, complimentary unit. But I have to give Monkins credit. If I'm crapping on the Broncos coaching all of last year, he's one of the few that stood out. I just I love the way he coaches. He gets in players' faces. He's very um, aggressive with them. He, he gets them to be and live up to the fullest potential. And that's something we haven't seen in a while with any Broncos coach or any Broncos player. But he really was a good addition. And uh, the continuity aspect alone was worth keeping him aboard. Here's something that I don't think a lot of fans realize. I'm sure this will be talked about on television this this summer during preseason, but it says here that in his first season with the Broncos in 2018, Modkins coached a young group of running backs led by rookies Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. In addition to combining for 1,558 rush yards, they became just the third rookie running back duo since the 1970 NFL merger to total at least five rushing scores apiece. That's pretty impressive. I mean, we've seen individual rookie running backs in Denver come in and just blow the doors down, including Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis rushed for 1,500 as a rookie. Mike Anderson came just shy of 1,500 himself. But to have two running backs that are both rookies get five-plus, you know, five or more rushing scores as rookies, that's, that's unique. It's only been done a couple other times since the NFL merger. Yeah, and it speaks to how well they were deployed last year and how well they were divvied up with their touches. And it wasn't easy because both of them sustained injuries. So a lot of reshuffling going on. They didn't have the best offense, best quarterback, best coaching. Uh, the big challenge for me, for Azani and for Modkins, for everyone who's uh, retaining uh, Vance Joseph holdover, is going to they could do it again. Can these running backs be this good again? Can Modkins divvy up the touches? Can they get the same production out of Freeman, the same production out of Lindsey, if not more? That's what we'll see. But based on one year and based on the talent level they have, it, it's definitely trending in the right direction. 
All right, here's one more question, and then we'll see how much time we have left today. This one comes from Andreas Erickson. He says, how about a top five of moves the Broncos could still do to improve the team? Could or should do? Any possible trades, pickups from other teams, any free agents out there they should look at? Also, thanks for a great show. Thank you, Andreas. Hey, here's the thing. We've um, been asked this in a couple of different ways in, in the last month or so of dead time. Let's just phrase it this way, Zach. Going into this summer, you're going to see a lot of surprise cuts. It's going to happen across the NFL. Players that you didn't expect to see a certain team wave or get rid of or cut. And in that vein, the Broncos, we kind of know what their weaknesses are. What positions, not necessarily players, but what positions do you think the Broncos should be keeping a really close eye on the waiver wire for? I think they should look for a pure burner wide receiver, just someone to run the nine route consistently. That's not Brendan Langley. And they should get an inside linebacker, a veteran, preferably someone who wins in pass coverage. That's the only positions, Chad. I mean, the Broncos, I think, did very well otherwise to solidify this roster. But for me, I, I would keep an eye on a burner and an inside linebacker. The only thing I'd add to that is the swing tackle. Now, mm, I, I talked one. about this a couple weeks ago, but my, you know, my the scales kind of fell from my eyes when I did some research on Don Barkley. I think he could be adequate. He's got a lot more experience than I realized when the Broncos added him in January. But still, it'd be good to have someone a little bit more proven recently because most of Barkley's experience came from I'm trying to think back now. It's something like 2012 through. Tw- or 2011 through 2014, something like that. And since then, he's kind of bounced around the league, hasn't played much in the regular season. So there are some questions as to, you know, what kind of, what version of that player you're going to get at this point. So I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Broncos bring in a more experienced, improved, and swing tackle. I think that could uh, definitely bolster the team. Now we'll take one more here, and then we got to get out for today. Let's see here, Zach. Here, let's take this one from Cubecraft Band. He says, what would have to happen for Drew Locke for the Broncos to go back to the well in 2020 in terms of drafting a QB? What would they do after just a year? Do you think there's any circumstance? Let's put it this way, Zach. Is there any circumstance in which the Denver Broncos draft a quarterback in the first round next year? I mean, anything Locke can and can't do to – because I don't see it. I don't think there's any way the Broncos use a premium pick. Well, let's just say a first-round pick on a quarterback next year. Because even if Locke plays, let's say something happens to Flacco in the middle of the season or whatever, and Locke ends up seeing a lot more action than the team anticipated, whether he sinks or swims with that action, it's too soon of a sample size to say for sure when you just invested a you know, 42nd overall pick in Drew Locke to say, let's go draft a quarterback in round one next year. That's my take. I wouldn't say there's no chance, but it's a very minuscule chance. I mean, look at Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. Anything can happen nowadays. The only thing it would take, though, it, Joe Flacco would have to have a horrible year and Drew Locke would have to show literally no progress and no development behind the scenes. And they would consider cutting Joe Flacco, like you mentioned, Chad, and going into the season with a first-round quarterback potentially and competing with their second-round uh, you know, sophomore from the previous year. That I could see, but you know, I think Flacco's going to show enough, and I think Locke is going to progress enough where, if anything, they'll make competition next year. If not, you know, they'll give the job outright to Drew Locke. I don't see it happening. I could see though, maybe a, a mid-round quarterback kind of add, add to the Sables if, if Flacco's not in the picture. Right. I don't see another first-round quarterback though. 
Let's hit. Actually, there's a couple more we can rapid fire these ones. This one now, Brandon Mason on YouTube. He had a couple of questions, but since we've already spent a lot of time on quarterbacks today, let's take this second one. He says, "Will Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders be ready for Week One?" Zach, as the reporter, your answer for Brandon. Uh, I'm more confident, I think, in Lindsay than I am Sanders, only because it's an Achilles versus a wrist. Both of them are going to come off. Uh, slowly in training camp, slowly in the preseason. They're not going to see a whole lot of action, but come week one, the optimism for both is high. I'm much higher on Phillip Lindsay, but I also think Sanders will be in the lineup against Oakland in week one. All right, one more. This is from William Karn. He says on YouTube, he says, how well do you think our offensive line will do and defensive line? Because that's where we were hurting all year. I think we're both pretty much on record that we think this offensive line has the opportunity, the potential to be a top 10, top 15 line. Yep. What do you think about the defensive line, though? I mean, they're in good coaching hands with Bill Kalar and uh, Vic Fangio, but they have the talent. I, I just I wonder about the, the pass rushing upside of Wolf and Gattis. I wonder how they're going to use the nose tackle with Harris and Draymond Jones, what they're going to do with Demarcus Walker. They should hold up. They should be, you know, good for their jobs, you know, tying up the run and, and tying up blockers for the outside linebackers to get after. But the offensive line, Chad, I mean, if they stay healthy and they adapt to the scheme and all the players, you know, play to their potential, they do have top 10 upside. The Broncos should be fine on both sides of the ball, and that's where you win in the trenches. That's why they did such a good job this offseason. All right, I lied. One more. This one comes from – I'm just scrolling through this. There's more and more questions the farther down I go, and we want to get to everybody. This one comes from Derek Wright. He says on YouTube, how do our three corners, Harris, uh, Bryce Callahan, and Kareem Jackson, match up with the wide receivers in the AFC West? I think we have a chance to lock our rivals down. Zach, the only thing that concerns me – about this trio in terms of matching up with the the talent across from them in the AFC West is their height. You know, all three of them are, are under six foot. So when you go up against guys like in, in L.A., like Mike Williams, I mean, Chris Harris, he's got a pretty good track record going up against Keenan Allen over the years. For the most part, he's won more of those matchups than he's lost. But when you go up against guys like Mike Williams that can sky up, I mean, imagine going up against – Cortland Sutton, guys who can go high, that's the only thing I worry about in terms of this trio is just their relative lack of size. However, they all bring scrappy skill sets, physicality, despite their lack of size, 5'10 and, or so. I think, I think Bryce Callahan's 5'9", but they're all physical. They're all uh, savvy in terms of their technique and experience. So I'm not too worried about it, but that's the biggest thing. I, I If I am going to sit and pick a bone, it's their lack of size. And then you look behind them, that's where the size comes in for the Broncos with Isaac Yadam, who's 6'1", and Devontae Bosby, who's 6'2". What scares me is is the speed from the opposing wide receiver, Chad. It's a good point you made. Uh, but, you know, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Antonio Brown, these are fast receivers. And as much as I like Chris Harris Jr. as an athlete, Bryce Callahan, I mean, they just have game-breaking, game-changing speed. And they get past the secondary. I mean, Justin Simmons can't keep up Will Parks. That's the only thing. I mean, this is going to be an explosive AFC West this year. A lot of points scored. None of these teams will be cakewalks for Denver, Oakland included. They're going to have to have the secondary to hold up, and that's where it was so crucial to get a guy like Vic Fangio to offset that talent coming in with the coaching. I think they hold up a fair share, and they did well to bring Chris Harris Jr. back, but those lid lifters in the AFC West, they still cause me to you know keep me up at night, so to speak. Yeah, that's fair. Well, hey, thanks for all the questions, you guys. We really appreciate it. If you're on YouTube, the way you can get those questions into us, I mean, obviously you can comment on each podcast episode, but if you go to our channel 
and click on community, you'll see some of the posts we've put up looking for questions. And if you keep an eye on that, we'll we'll start using utilizing that a lot more in terms of you know engaging with you. So keep an eye on that. There's a couple threads in there now. If you want to put questions in there that we'll look at later in this week, because we have tomorrow's episode Tuesday. We don't know yet what we'll talk about then. We'll figure it out when we get there, you know, a day from now. But then it's Wednesday. We're off, Zach and I, that day. You'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos. And then Thursday, we'll, we'll need to we'll, – we'll come up with something for training camp because by the time you guys are listening to that episode of the podcast, it'll literally be the opening day of training camp. So anything you guys have on your mind between now and then, what I'm getting at, whether you're on YouTube, Twitter, send it our way. VIPs, you know what to do on the milehighhuddle.com, MHH Insiders Forum – all of our great listeners, whatever's on your mind, this this week we will get to all of it. You just got to let us know. But in the meantime, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We'll be back with a fresh episode for you tomorrow. Until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Talk to you. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.